This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook and at trevorjamesflutes.com. This is Talking Flutes, and I'm Claire Southworth, and I'm back in my kitchen in Hove with the ever-wonderful John Paul Wright. Oh, you can keep saying that. <laughs> I sit proud, my lady. My chest puffs out. <laughs> so hopefully we're going to have some sensible conversations today, then. No, absolutely not at all, because I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the subject title for this. <laughs> um, I think you wrote it. I did. It's... Uh, it's well, I think we have to we have to address it, don't we? Because the one person you could play so badly in a concert, and the one person you can impress is your granny, isn't it? Yeah, or grandfather. Or grandfather. But I think it's my my own experience was it's at the Royal Festival Hall, and uh, we're doing we're doing a concert, and I you know I can't remember who it was with, but there was the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto was opening into the second half with this Japanese violin player. And I remember coming onto the stage and everyone sitting down, the conductor came on and my grandma stood up and started waving. <laughs> In the middle of your mind. Bless her. Yes. Um, but I can also remember that going to a school concert with my children and the school orchestra, you know, they always try to play really complicated things and it was like match the day, themes from match the day. And... <laughs> I would always get the fit of giggles because there's always that and they try and really, really hard, but I'm a giggler, a natural-born giggler. But my, gra- my granny, my grandmother, thought everything was just perfect. Yeah, I have exactly the same experiences of going to so many school concerts which were somewhat absolutely <laughs> diabolical and I had to really bite my tongue not to say anything. But everyone around me would think it's fantastic. And of course, I think that's a good way to think. So because I, yeah. you've got to you've got to embrace every level and and that they're all trying their hearts out. And the problem is from from our perspective is we know what works and what doesn't work and what should be there and shouldn't be there and what's in tune, what's out of tune. And so unfortunately it's because of our training mm-hmm. we're more aware. But those people who don't know just take it as you know they're being entertained and they have a fantastic evening and I find that when I'm listening I'm not as critical as I used to be because you have to accept that when people are there performing they're doing their best and everybody has something to offer so how I always used to feel in masterclasses that I for me it didn't matter age level or what they were playing Everyone could learn from whoever was standing in front of you. It was just that in concerts, I found I was a bit too critical. But now, I'm thinking, good for them. They're brave enough to stand up there. And sort of, it's like exposing yourself on stage, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody, certainly in the school concerts, I was the only one who was thinking, ooh, ah, ooh, you know. And, but I've changed. <laughs> well, a couple of weeks ago, you did this fascinating podcast with Stephen Clark and Stephen once told me a long time ago that he has two sets of ears 
which is granny ears and his own ears. And that enables him to sort of accept when he's listening to people trying really, really hard and it's not coming out. And without having the fit of giggles that I get, I can't help it. I can keep a straight face until somebody sort of says something or shoulders, I see somebody else's shoulders start going. I don't have granny ears. I find it really hard to have granny Why ears. Why is it granny and not grandpas? I, I don't know. I think it's because Stephen, Stephen Clark said granny ears and I just remember... So my suggesting gr- that grannies don't know but grandpas do. I, okay, in my, in, my, in my own experience, my grandfather was the wise one and my grandma was just, my grandmother was just, she was fun and mm. slightly pot, potty and she, they say, just seeing her stand up in the middle of a concert and just wave. Uh, yeah, she was the, the fun one. And so granny is and normal is. But you make a very fair point, actually. It's not a derogatory term. No, it's not. No. So we're talking about uh, people who are not in the music business, I yeah, think. and it makes me feel a bit sort of snobby about it, in that if I'm going to laugh or find somebody struggling playing an instrument because they're making <laughs> a racket, <laughs> they're actually trying really hard. It's, it's about... Every performance being valid. Yeah, but it's being we're being entertained. And I think you've got to look at it like that, that you go to a concert to be entertained. And it doesn't matter if it's if it's little John Smith who's just been playing the trombone for six months <laughs> or it's it's uh, Mr James Galway. You know, you're you've there to be entertained. You started me already, yeah. <laughs> and I just know what John Smith would sound like on the trombone. I can't help it. I don't know if I'm hardwired this way. <laughs> if I, it's just if, I, if I hear the pure, I'm gone. We, I remember that when we used to go to to Joe's school concerts, the school concert every year, tw- uh, they had two a year. They always were in the same format, which I found quite amusing <laughs> as well, because there was always the the recorder group, which and I've never really liked recorder, but actually that recorder mm-hmm. group was stunning. So you knew you were going to get the most fantastic uh, performance in terms of. Quality, quality performance but the guitar group they were sort of so dour they were so every, they played everything slow so you knew it was going to be a very slow piece and they all looked very very serious so you just knew and you also knew that the, the violin teacher wore the same sparkly outfit twice a year so you always knew where she was because she would be like a a Christmas tree in the middle of the middle of the strings, and it was funny because you get all these different characters. But it was like you knew the format before you went. The, the one thing that used to really, I suppose, upset me, annoy me, at the, for the first years they never tuned up, so they were just play. So I remember mentioning this to the head of music at one year, and then they started to tune up, but you'd get the oboe player playing the A, but no one would do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know people would still play an A, but no one would actually change a thing. So you'd hear this cacophony of sound, and but but all out of tune still. So they yeah. sort of missed oh, the that. missed the point a little bit. Anyway, I digress. No, it's 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 having an appreciation for. See, the problem for me is that if it had been the same format each year, I would have known when I was going to start giggling. Yeah. And one of the schools, I was a school governor. If I was chairman of governors at one point, and I had to leave before I knew the orchestra was going to start playing this one piece. 
because I knew that I would start giggling. Not out, it was just me. And I can't help it. Mm. It's, even though I know they're trying really, really hard, I just get the fit of giggles. Well, luckily your children have, uh, have, have grown up now and you're not going to any more school concerts. I'm not going to any more school, school concerts. Until you're a granny or grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Please, no. You would not want me as a grandfather. I mean, the stories I would tell them. I would tell them that, you know, I, I've, I've wrestled a crocodile in uh, the ocean, that I've, that I've killed a rampaging tiger with my bare hands. I mean, the stories that I'll come up with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Pete's chatting to someone outside. Oh, is he? <laughs> but the whole thing about being entertained and knowing how to entertain, but also knowing your audience and what to give them for uh, a program now we've done this before you've spoken about how to set out programs and how to engage the listener and how about we talk about the bit that's very rarely spoken about so we've spoken about the piece the content of a recital or content of a concert but it's the bit afterwards yeah. the encore the encore if you get asked to do one oh don't isn't it always a given no so there are, there are <laughs> really obviously with flute encores, there's so much that there are so many choices, and it's dependent on sort of on the occasion, yeah. on the program, and on your audience. But there are some times when the audience isn't as energized as you might want them to be. So that by the time you've taken your bow at the end of the concert, walked off, there's just enough clapping just to get you back on for a little bit more, and you come off again, and you, they stop. Oh, right. So you're not going to go and do an encore then. You've got to have um, enough enthusiasm and encouragement to do an encore. And then how you pick an encore is dependent on maybe what you finished with. Because sometimes you need something to calm the audience down and sometimes you need something to get them excited. So whether you pick something slow or fast is mm -hmm. totally dependent on what you've just finished with and absolutely definitely short <laughs> yes because oh, i've heard encores that have gone on for five or six minutes and you're thinking please god stop you know especially if you didn't think you'd really asked for one so only do it if you know that you're being asked and you're sure. being asked by the, the 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 applause by maybe people shouting encore whatever it is and then what do you, what do you pick? Mm. Um, do you show off or do you... Yes, I mean, it could be... A, if you wanted to calm people down, it could be a, a lovely slow movement. It could be very traditional, like a, a bark slow movement. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, don't ignore Handel, Telemann, Vivaldi. There's some most exquisite, very short, slow movements. But you don't associate that with encores, do you? No, but th that encore doesn't mean flash. Mm -hmm. Encore means you've been so well appreciated by your audience that you're going to give them a little... It's like the icing on the cake, isn't it? Perhaps so, I've never been appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> so think, I'm I was trying to think of... Because um, you mentioned this earlier, I was trying to think of some pieces. So if you mm. wanted something really lively, one very popular one that I used to do was by Gregorius Dinicu, Horace Staccato. Oh, yeah. It's the sort of very like... That one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sort of like sort of gypsy style. Yeah. In one of the flute conventions, one of the NFA flute conventions many years ago, I forgot where it was. That might have been Chicago, actually. They, I loved the fact that one of the concerts was an encore concert. We all had to come. So there were, must, be, must have been about at least 12 of us. And the, the stage set was the stage was in complete darkness. And then they had spotlights and the, each performer was set in a different part. Some were in sort of, um, sort of on, on balconies and most of us were sort of on the stage. And there were no announcements. The spotlight would just go, would flash onto you and you'd play your encore. So no tuning up. Wow. No warm-up. And you know how cold the air conditioning is <laughs> yes. in America? Um, I remember I had to wait for about half an hour before my dinner coup. I couldn't move my fingers. They were so cold. Anyway, I got, but I got through it. But it's, I thought it was such a lovely idea to have an encore concert. Isn't it just? And there were some really unusual, unusual. So anyway, that was, that's one of my favourite pieces. Um, for those of you who don't know, Dinaku was a Romanian composer and violinist. And mm-hmm. um, this was the piece he was most well known for. But Heifetz, the very famous violinist, yeah. said that Dinaku was the greatest violinist he'd ever heard. Really? So a little bit of history there for you. Other encores. The Sibelius's Scaramouche. Really? Haunting melody. Really? It's absolutely stunning. So that would then be predetermined by your last piece being yes. a firecracker. Yeah, so if you'd finished with Goddard's Suite yeah. with the valse at the end, Sibelius Scaramouche would just calm everyone down. And to be honest, you're more likely to get a second encore when you play something slow hmm. than you are when you've played something that's fast. Ah. So that's a good one. Um, Sanson, Air de Ballet. Yeah. It's about four minutes long, so it's a little on the long side, but you could maybe just do the, the, the second section of that. There's one that I recently came across, which I love, which is called Dizzy Fingers by Zez Confrey. It's no. arranged by Bill Holcomb, so it's in okay. print. Yeah. Dizzy Fingers. It's just a bit of fluff, but it's a lovely bit of fluff to do as an encore. So there's some... Some interesting ones. The other ones I would maybe pick are maybe some of the vocalese etudes. Now, if I explain vocalese etudes, vocalese etudes were uh, commissioned pieces by a singing professor called Hetish at the Paris Conservatoire. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to provide, he was professor of singing, and he wanted to provide contemporary music to practice their tone development for his singing, for his singing students. And so he commissioned some pieces which he called Vocalese Etudes. The very first one was by Foray. So Foray P.S. is the first Vocalese Etude of over 200 works. So Foray, Poulenc, Ravel, Copeland, Roussel, Ibe, Honegger, Villalobos, Messiaen, they all wrote Vocalese Etudes. My favourite, well... One of my favourites is the Poulenc. Yeah. It's got sort of a real sort of darkness to it. So again, that would be a, a calming down piece. And what was interesting with Hatish, he only wanted tonal, not atonal pieces, <laughs> which was interesting. And in fact, they were the inspiration for my vocalese book. I have a vocalese book. You do. And in my book, it was, I want to develop flute tone production and musical awareness in modern style. So my composers, there's Andy Scott's Fujiko in there. Adam Caird's After All, and a piece by Geraldine Green, who's written some most beautiful melodies of flute, uh, and she wrote a nocturne for me. So 
There are some wonderful, short, evocative pieces and some wonderful, short, snazzy pieces, jazzy pieces, you know, go-like-the-clappers pieces. And the things you need to do a little bit of research and make sure that you are comfortable playing it <laughs> and have enough energy to play it. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? Having the energy to play at yeah. the end of a concert. But if you've, if you've done... If you've had a, a fa- fabulous concert where you know, the crowd are going wild, which can happen, of course. Then you're enthused and the adrenaline's flowing and you feel you can play anything. But I think it's best to do something different rather than just sometimes people repeat a movement that they've just done. Well, I'll tell you a story. I, I would totally agree with that. I did a tour in Hungary, crikey, 25 years ago. Um, and the, the, the great flute player, Gergi Itchis, was, was on the tour with me. And we did a thing at the Liszt Academy where we did a performance and he would play a piece, I would play a piece, and then we'd do some cones that had specially written. And for an encore, I thought, how, what a great thing to do, because I loved doing it, was Chardas. And I remember playing it and sort of, because I, I loved it, and I used to sort of mess around and think it was really fun. And then I finished the, finished the encore and there was silence because I never played it properly, because I'm playing a piece that is synonymous with Gypsy Violin. Yeah. In Hungary. Yeah. I had done my research. Oh. And I'd messed around. I was playing it really, really fast. And I was putting in the odd high note and low note. And there was just silence at so the they, end. They didn't recognise it? No, they didn't recognise it at all. And what I did after that for the rest of the tour, I ended up playing one of Mike Mower's Finger Busters. Because I thought, mm. no, one know, no one here knows what that is. But yeah, I made him. I, I loved doing the Shardas when I did recitals or concerts here. But I learned a big lesson is that if you're going to do uh, an encore, make sure it's the right piece. As you said, fit it to the audience and um, the location you're at. Yeah. And, and you go with your what you're doing is you're reacting to the audience. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if they're not giving you the encouragement, you don't do one. Well, it's a very strange audience, very, very flute sort of professorial and the flute society were there. And I should have. I should have seen it earlier on. Yeah. I should have seen the fact that they were analysing everything. I, I find that really upsetting, though, because I think whoever the audience is, you need to appreciate the performer. Oh, absolutely agree. And that goes back to granny years, doesn't it? Yeah. Is that one thing that I was hoping to have done is to have been able to appreciate all performances. But I suppose I was in that, I was in that arena. I was at the List Academy and I was... I was somebody from the UK playing with one of their top young whiz, whiz kid composers and flute players. And I obviously didn't cut the mustard. But more importantly, I had obliterated one of their <laughs> wonderful, wonderful Whoops. pieces. Whoops-a-daisy. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, if I'd gone and played Danny Boy, for example, not that I would play it anywhere near as well as an Irish person would play Danny Boy, mm. Because when you hear Sir James playing Danny Boy, it just sort of... I mean, there is nothing like that. There is just... There's a feeling of being Irish and growing up in mm. Ireland. Yep. But I think if I'd had that type of sound and that type of emotion, I think I could have carried that audience. Mm. But because I tried to be flash, it went wrong. Good learning experience then. Yes. I think for encores, keep short. You've got to make sure your audience goes away wanting more, not wanting less. 
you, again, you, you covered that in a previous podcast, and I don't know out of these 200 how many of the podcasts back it is, but you were talking about the length of a recital is very, yeah. very important, yeah. that you don't overdo it. And you can normally tell because people's eyes are starting to wander. Most concert promoters will say, we, we want a, they specify, we want a 40-minute first half or a 35-minute second half. Mm-hmm. And they don't want you to go over. Yeah. They need you to be within that time frame because they, they know their audience. So timing is, is crucial. So if you run over by a lot, you probably won't get an encore. If on an encore, do you think it's a good idea to... Say you're playing somewhere overseas to actually think what is something that's popular over there. And Yeah, I, th- I, I, I think that's, that's also a, a very good idea. It, I mean, it, it varies, doesn't it? Sometimes they want to hear something completely different. Yeah. And sometimes if it was, you know, a, a local folk tune or something based on something, yeah. a, a national theme, then of course, that's also fun too. Yes, it's like being able to say hello to the audience and, and introduce yourself in that language. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. A little bit goes a long way. Yeah. So yes, ears. Having respectful ears to all standards of playing everybody's performance is valid. However snobby my ears may be, and I have no right to have ears like that because I'm sure I make just as many mistakes and awful sounds myself, I think it's a case of get to that point where just be free of... What, what, is, what, what is that word? It's being, it's being free of a bias. I, there's no way I can ever cr- uh, make perfection when it comes to flute playing or music, and I shouldn't expect others too and we're all on that big scale aren't we of nobody's perfect no, John Paul Pete's run out no no one's perfect no so there, therefore, there is no such thing as a perfect performance no so I shouldn't be laughing should I when, when things go wrong I shouldn't be I can't help it I go to a circus and it, well they don't do circuses now but if something goes wrong they're trying to do something or you've got performance loads of dancers and one of them falls over I'm, I'm gone I just, I just have this natural propensity to laugh at mistakes, including my own, I must add. Okay. Which is the most important okay. thing. So I now know I mustn't go to school concerts with you, <laughs> uh, to, to uh, uh, other flute concerts, or to circus. No, no. Although, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a natural giggler, and I can't help it. It's, I find it very hard to be sensible. And it's quite strange when you get to my age, not being sensible, but... I think I've just got a childlike attitude to fun. Okay, well, is that is that it for today then, John Paul? Oh, yes, I'm getting the eyes. Yes, that, that, that is it, yes. I won't deviate off anymore. So, yes, that, that is it, Claire. I, I have no more to say on the subject of granny ears or recital music. Shall we say goodbye to our lovely people? I think we'll say goodbye to our lovely people. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> and please do follow us on our Facebook page, Talking Flutes, on our Instagram, Talking Flutes, Twitter, at flute and at Claire Flute, or email us on flutepodcasts at gmail.com. And please rate and like us on whatever podcast provider you're listening to on Hello Pete, he's back in again, your lovely dog. And uh, yeah, until we meet again soon, Claire. Thanks, John Paul. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye.
Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.